I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving this past Thursday. And let me ask you, who had a great Thanksgiving? See your hands. All right, that's most of you. Fantastic. Who would say that Thanksgiving is your favorite holiday? Anybody honest with that? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six of you. Okay, very good. Well, I enjoy Thanksgiving as, as well and uh, enjoy getting together with family and friends and, of course, eating those delicious delicacies that only come around this time, this time of year, you know. Uh, who here say, I ate too much, preacher? Please don't preach on gluttony. Amen. <laughs> All right. Have no fear, okay? But uh, we enjoy this time of year, uh, being with family and friends and enjoy, of course, the wonderful food that uh, uh, comes around this time of year and even some of you got to enjoy the opening season of rifle season. Amen, you dear hunters, all right? But, uh, but we enjoy this time of year, do we not? I enjoy it. I, I love Thanksgiving. But Thanksgiving shouldn't just be a time we just enjoy these things come with it, with, with getting together with family and, and just getting together with family and just getting together with friends and, and just because of the food and other things come with it. It shouldn't just be about those things. And rather, Thanksgiving should do this. This Thanksgiving season should cause us to pause and just be thankful. Just be a thankful individual. Because as Christians, we have much to be thankful for. So much. So much to be thankful for. But it shouldn't just be a seasonal thing, meaning giving thanks and being thankful it shouldn't just be reduced, thankfulness that is, to just one day, one day a year. Rather, I believe that thanksgiving, being thankful, should be a daily occurrence, especially in the life of a child of God. You see, the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 15, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. So as believers, as a church, we are and should be thankful people, and that on a continual basis, not just one day out of the year. So let me ask you this morning, are you a thankful Christian? Are you a believer who gives thanks unto God and that on a daily basis. God help us to be those kind of people. God help me to be an individual who is thankful even on a daily basis. And with that in mind, what I'd like for us to do is deviate from our uh, season of messages through 1 Peter, if you allow me, and go to 1 Thessalonians this morning. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, to be exact, in verse 18 is where we're going to land primarily this morning, as we look at this title, In Everything, Give Thanks. In Everything, Give Thanks. Let's look at what the Bible says. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 18. If you're there, say amen. amen. That's most of you. All right. Well, let's look at it together. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18. The Bible says, In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Our fathers, we look to your word this morning. I pray that you to help us to see this wonderful truth of just being a thankful Christian, being a person who gives thanks continually, being an individual who in everything gives, gives thanks. Help us to be those kind of people. 
For I believe that sacrifice of praise brings great honor and glory and brings a smile to your face. Help us to be those kind of people. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as you're looking at this verse this morning in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and verse 18, I want you to notice this first of all. Number one, notice the command of this verse, all right? You see, as Paul is finishing up this, this last chapter of this first letter to the Thessalonians, he ends this chapter with several principles. And uh, these principles that he gives and lists here, they come in the form of imperatives. They come in the form of commands. And I want you to notice them with me. And starting in verse number 16. Uh, so look at your Bible, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16. The Bible says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all appearances of evil. And of course, right in the smack dab middle, smack dab's in the Greek just so you know, but right in the smack dab middle of these imperatives, of these verses, of these principles, we read this one. In everything, give thanks. Understand, when it comes to giving thanks in everything, this right here, my friends, is not just some emotional thing. It's not just an emotional feeling. It's not just some emotional experience. Being thankful goes way beyond just some mere emotion of thanks. You see, as individuals, we cannot wait till we feel good in order to give thanks. We can't wait until we have an emotional rush of thanksgiving to be thankful. We can't wait till we feel like it before we offer a sacrifice of praise unto God. You see, being thankful, it goes beyond just a word. It's more than just a Christian expression because being thankful and giving thanks is an action. And it's an action of the choice of our own will, you see. Now listen to these verses. In Psalm 100 and verse 4, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. Colossians 3.17, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 4, 2, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Hebrews 13, 15, again, the Bible says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And of course, there's many others we can look at when it comes to this action of giving thanks. But you've got to understand, we have to understand giving thanks and being thankful from our hearts unto God well, it is a command, and it should come as a willing choice on our behalf. Now, you may be hearing these verses, maybe understanding this first point. You say, preacher, I know that. I know that uh, it's right for me to give thanks unto God. I know I should be a thankful individual. We know that. Well, good. Praise the Lord. But did you know it's one thing to know it, another thing to do it? Surely you do. 
I know you do. I'm not trying to insult your intelligence, all right? But it's one thing to know it, and it's another thing to obey that command. And just as James says in, in James 1, but be you doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We know this is what God wants from us, to be thankful and grateful individuals from our heart to his. But again, I ask you, are you a thankful Christian? Are you obeying this command from this portion of Scripture and many others like it of being thankful and giving thanks unto God? Are you making the willful choice on your behalf to be thankful? Because look, whether we realize it or not, we have so much, so much to be thankful for. Are you a thankful Christian? So this first point we know is pretty much a no-brainer. We are to be thankful. We know that. But when? This is where um, we get it a little muddy sometimes. We know to be thankful, but when? Well, number two, I want you to see this. Number two, see the context of this verse. Have you ever wondered when you to be thankful? If you have wondered that, then listen, the Bible tells us plainly, and listen, plain speech is clearly, easily understood. But look at your Bible again in verse 18 and uh, say the first three words with me, all right? Verse 18, the first three words are, in everything. Say it again. In everything. When are you, when are you to be thankful? Most of you are getting it, okay. In everything. Now, when am I to be thankful? In everything. Now we know... It's easy to be thankful when things are going well, right? When um, uh, you've got money in the bank and your bills are paid all at the same time. <laughs> Praise the Lord, right? Uh, when you've got good health, well, thank God for that. When, when your job is going well, that's fantastic. When there's no fussing or fighting at home, praise the Lord. Uh, when even your in-laws are getting along with you, even, even we know that the heavenly choir sings the hallelujah chorus on that one, okay? But... Uh, even when you're getting along with your in-laws, everything's going so, so well. Are we to give thanks then? Oh, my, yes. Praise the Lord. Give thanks when things are going well. And it's easy to say thank you and praise you during the good times, and we should. But what about when the times are not so well? When they're not so good, when they're not so pleasant, when there's more month than money at the end of the month, when there's turmoil raging within your heart and life and things seem to be falling apart and the wheels are falling off the wagon, what about in those moments? Am I still to give thanks and be thankful during those times as well? Am I supposed to say, thank you, Lord, as the choir sang, and as Keenan Aaron sang? Am I supposed to be thankful then? In those moments, I mean, surely God does not expect me to exhibit some kind of thankful heart during difficult days. Surely God does not expect me to say, thank you for the difficulty. Thank you for the struggle. Uh, thank you for this. Thank you for that. When things are going so wrong in my life, surely God does not expect me to say, thank you for those things. Right? Well, understand we got to know what the Bible is saying here. Because I don't want you to get confused in that moment when you're going through trials and difficulties and still trying to exhibit a thankful heart. Because understand here in our scripture, look at it with me in verse 18, the Bible does not say for everything. 
give thanks. Rather, the Bible says what, church? The first word, verse 18. It says, one, two, three. <laughs> it says, in everything. In everything, give thanks. So whether the circumstances are favorable or not, good or not, comfortable or not, even in the midst of troubled times of life, we can be thankful, and we can see in just a moment why, but when it comes to the context where we're at right now, the context of thankfulness, we may not be able to control the circumstances around us or even the uh, emotion of being overwhelmed in the midst of those circumstances because understand, we can't control all of that sometimes, but we can control how we respond to the circumstances. And we can control, we can choose to be thankful in everything. You say, okay, preacher, fine. I know I must be thankful. I know that I can be thankful no matter what the circumstances, but how in the world do I do that? <laughs> how in the world can I be thankful in everything, especially when things are just absolutely terrible? How can this happen? How can I be thankful? All right. Well, number three, to answer the question of how, I want you to see the most important part of this entire verse. In verse 18, it's this, number three, I want you to see this. I want you to see the Christ of the verse. Look at it with me again, verse 18. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in, and who does it say here, church? Say it with me. In Christ Jesus. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus. I believe here Paul is trying to get these believers again to focus upon something, really rather someone other than the things that are surrounding him at this moment. He's trying to get them to understand that when our focus is upon the circumstances, uh, when, when they're, when they're upon, upon the things that surround us, when we will not be thankful. When we focus on the trouble, the heartache, the disappointments, the tragedy, the, the loss, the whatever it is you may be focusing upon, you can fill in the blank. When we focus on those things, our minds are tempted not to be thankful. But when we get our eyes upon Jesus, when our minds is filled with the Word of God and our hearts are filled with the thoughts of the Lord, when we see His goodness, His grace, His kindness, His mercy, His love, his holiness, when we see who he is, and that's what controls our hearts and minds, and that's what fills our hearts and minds. And I'm going to tell you something. There's always going to be someone to be thankful for. The Lord Jesus Christ. And it is then when we get our eyes upon Jesus, we can give thanks in every Thing. Why? Because Jesus is always with us in everything. You saved this morning, say amen. Okay, guess what? Jesus is with you. No matter what you're going through, he is there with you. Hebrews chapter, chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. For he had said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Uh, just, a, just a quick little uh, information here. In verse number five, there are five negatives in that verse. 
And of course, in our English language, two negatives makes a positive. But in the Greek languages, language, five negatives makes an emphatic point. All right? And so maybe our Appalachian English is more Greek than we realize, okay? But anyway, he's trying to make a huge emphasis here. The writer of Hebrews, that is. He is letting the readers know that Jesus will never, no, never, no, never leave you. He is always there. He is always good. He's even with you through the good. He's even with you through the bad. He is always there. And because he is, guess what? We can, in everything, give thanks. Do you know why some people seem so grumpy and unthankful all the time? You ever met someone like that? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> About gotcha. Some of you are like, yeah, the person sitting next to me, I'm telling you what, preacher, you got to pray for them, blah, 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 you know. You say, yeah, my, some of my family, you know, but. Surely we know some folks who are just seem grumpy and unthankful all the time and just have something to complain about. It's quite exhausting, I get it. We all know somebody. But do you know why they seem to be that way? I believe it's because through difficult days that we all face, every one of us, none of us are exempt from those times, but it's through the difficult days that through those times they've allowed the difficulties to shift their attention. They've allowed the troubled times to change their attitudes and basically what they begin to do is they begin to focus on themselves instead of God. The Bible says in Romans 1.21, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. You see, when we focus on our situations, when we focus on our circumstances, when the focus is basically all on us, then we'll be tempted to be less than thankful. Begin to grumble, begin to complain, and just be a misery to be around. Because our focus is upon us. But when our focus is upon the Lord, when our hearts and minds are filled with the knowledge of God, and that's why Peter says to always grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. When our hearts and minds are filled with the knowledge of the Lord, which you gain through the scripture, when it's filled with God, listen, we can be thankful people. You'll find yourselves being more grateful instead of more of a grumbler, all right? If it's focus, your focus, your mind is pointed, it's on. The Lord Jesus Christ will begin to find ourselves being thankful in everything. You say, preacher, that's kind of a pipe dream, don't you think? No, I don't at all. Because there are several, several examples from Scripture we can look at to men and women who did just that as they're going through some horrendous days. Take, for instance, Paul and Silas. In Acts chapter 16, we know that Paul and Silas, by the will of God, as the Holy Spirit is leading them, has led them to a little town called Philippi, right? And as they came to Philippi, they were leading in prayer services. They were teaching. They were preaching. People began to get saved. And, but then folks began to push back and ride against them. And so they were arrested and put in prison. And so their circumstances in that moment, after they're doing what's simply right and following the Lord, their circumstances were quite horrendous and miserable. As they were beaten, 
They're bit with many stripes, no doubt blood trickling down from their bodies. They're fastened into the, the shackles and arrested and put into prison. Their circumstances were horrendous, yet what did they do? Where was their mind's eye focused upon? Well, the Bible says this. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises, here it is, unto God. That tells me that their minds was not on the shackles. It was not on the recent beating. It was not on the pain they were enduring. It was not on the blood that's trickling down from their body. It was not on the trouble that they're going through. It was not even on the prison that surrounded them. Their mind was focused upon God. And what did they do? They sang praises unto God. They were thankful in everything. What I'm telling is not some pipe dream. It's something that we can do. Because this thankfulness is not something we need to wait for when we feel like it. No, it should come from a willing heart, from, a, from the, the, the praise, sacrifice of praise from our lips continually. You can do it. We can be thankful people in everything. We can see Paul and Silas. We can see the man Job. We know about Job. How Job lost everything. Lost his family, lost his farm, lost his finances, even his own physical health for all practical purposes. He, he lost a lot. And no one, no one would ever blame him to grumble, complain, and be ungrateful. Even his own precious wife said this, Hey, honey, Joe, come here, darling. Why don't you just curse, curse God and, and die? <laughs> you thought you had a bad wife, you know. Anyway. But she even expected him to do that. She even thought it's okay for you to grumble and complain. It's okay. Look what has happened to you. But what did Job do? Well, through it all, Job was not going to focus on himself. He was not going to focus on what he lost. He was not going to focus upon the pain. Rather, his mind was focused upon the Lord. And here's what he said. In Job chapter 1, verse 20 through 22, Then Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down upon the ground, and worshipped, and said, Naked came out of my mother's womb, naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see his focus? The Bible says in all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. His mind was upon the Lord and in everything Job gave thanks. Paul and Silas, their minds were on the Lord even through horrendous times. And that, that, that is because for that reason rather, they could give thanks in everything. So you and I can as well. You say, preacher, I, but you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm dealing with. Probably not. But it still does not negate the fact that in everything, you and I can give thanks. In everything, give thanks. How can I do that? By seeing the Christ of this verse. Lastly, I want to see this. We've seen the command of this verse. We've seen the context of this verse. We've seen the Christ of this verse. Lastly, notice this, number four. The concern of this verse. Now, preacher, what do you mean when you say concern here? Do you mean like concern as in worry or concern as in being anxious? Because I'm very good at that. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. I'm not talking about concern that way. What I mean when I say concern in this verse is this. I want to see the purpose of it. The purpose of it. 
Uh, look again, look at your Bible, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. What's those last two words? All right, most of you saw it. Let's try it again, all right? The last two words on the count of three are what? One, I, I, on the count of three, on the count of, you got to listen. All right, instructions, okay. On the count of three, the last two words, all right? One, two, three. Concerning you, meaning your purpose. What, what, what do you mean by the purpose of all this? Listen, our great God in heaven is not just a wise God. He is the only wise God. As Jude plainly says in Jude 25, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. He is the only wise God. So that tells me that he knows what he's doing. Yes? Would you agree that God knows what he is doing? <laughs> you believe it, though. I believe that God does know what he is doing. And I believe that he rules and overrules. And I do believe he has a purpose for our lives. But even through the times we may not understand, the times that are troubled and difficult, those bad times we would say. And we wonder through those times, man, God, is this really what you want? Why? Why would you allow me to go through such days like these? We begin to wonder, does he really know what he's doing? Absolutely he does. Again, he's the only wise God. And through some of those times of life, he allows those into our hearts and lives not to harm us, but rather to mold us, to shape us, to help us. Because we're all a work in progress. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And listen, even through these everything, all things, moments of life, good and bad. Listen, all those times, every bit of them can work out for good. Romans 8, 28, still in our Bible. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Listen, dear Christian, God wants you to look more like his son, Jesus Christ. And because of that, he will allow us to go through difficult and different days. Listen, even, even Paul was faced with a thorn in the flesh. And this, 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 this thorn in the flesh, <clears throat> no doubt, was a bad thing. And he, he was struggled badly with it. <clears throat> it was painful. It was difficult. Because, listen, the Bible clearly tells us what it is. It was a messenger of Satan to buffet him. It was a messenger of Satan inflicting pain upon Paul. But what did Paul do? Paul begged God three times to take it away. Lord, please take this away. Please take this away. Please take this away. But in every instance, we know that God did not do that. 
Was it because that the Apostle Paul couldn't get his, his uh, prayers answered? Come on. It's the Apostle Paul. Of course he did, right? But God allowed it. God allowed this to happen and told him that his grace was sufficient, meaning there was more grace in God than there was pain in Paul. But with this thorn of Paul, this thorn in the flesh that Paul struggled with, understand God allowed it to happen in his life for a purpose. And that can be a little hard for our minds to wrap around because this truth really flies in the face of some of the modern day Christianity. Of the feel good stuff, right? It really flies in the face of modern day Christianity and especially the prosperity gospel preachers and those of, of deliverance ministries and other kind of things like that. Now, this verse and context of it would absolutely fly in their face because many of those would say that if you're going through pain and suffering and enduring this and that, then it it has to be because you're not right with God or, or it has to be because you're missing out some kind of blessing or it has to be because you have a demon. Or it has, listen, it's not always the case. It could be because God allowed it. Allowed it to happen. Why? For a greater purpose. And here's the purpose for Paul. In the context of that thorn in the flesh, why God allowed it for a purpose, it was for this reason. Here you go. You ready? To keep Paul humble. <laughs> To keep the Apostle Paul humble. Here's what Paul said. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. Paul said it two times. Here's the purpose behind it. Here's the purpose behind the pain. That God wanted me to be humble. Because listen, Paul could have been tempted to be puffed up. He could have been tempted to be puffed up with pride. And in pride, listen, that pride could have destroyed him because we know pride is an absolute killer. But the Lord needed Paul to be humble through these abundance of revelations. Because God still had much for Paul to do. Many more mission trips to go on. Many more people for him to reach. And much more Bible to write. Again, those revelations, right? He had much of that for him to still write. Because at this moment, in that text in 2 Corinthians, Paul had not written Romans yet, or Philippians yet, or Ephesians yet, or Colossians, or Philemon, or First and 2 Timothy yet, or even Titus. He hadn't written those yet. Let me ask you a question. Has anybody ever, any of you ever got any help from any of those books of the Bible? Anybody? Like seven? Come on, folks. Okay. I would say all of us got some kind of help out of those books of the Bible. But in this moment, if it hadn't have been for that thorn in the flesh to keep Paul humble, maybe Paul would have missed out on writing those, being the human instrument that God would use. Maybe. What did Paul do, though? That was his purpose behind it. What did Paul do, though, in the midst of this thorn in the flesh, of which was so painful that it would drive Paul through three times, beg God to take it away? What did Paul finally do, reserve himself to do in the midst of this thorn in the flesh? He did this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 through 10. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Here's what Paul said. 
Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, necessities, and persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. He was understanding the fact that when he is very weak in his flesh, he would causes him to run and lean upon Jesus. And when you, call, when you find yourself running and leaning upon Jesus, you don't find yourself operating in your own strength anymore, which is actually weakness. You find yourself operating in the grace, sufficient grace and sufficient power of Almighty God. That's why he could say that. So listen, it may go against our natural fallen flesh, and it may not always make perfect sense, but in all things, you and I can still be thankful. Why? Because God has a greater purpose. Again, the purpose behind the whole jail cell in Philippi was this, that jailer and his family. Remember the rest of the story? As Paul Harvey would say, and the rest of the story is what? The jailer got saved. After they sang praises unto God. They could have escaped with their very lives, but they stayed there. And the jailer no doubt heard those praises and heard those prayers. Knowing they could have escaped. But he came to Paul and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. No doubt that jailer was born again, his family as, as well. That's the purpose behind that prison. Uh, what about in the Old Testament with Joseph being treated so harshly by his own family? In the end of it all, what, did he, what was really the purpose behind it? Well, Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. That's the purpose. What about the purpose behind all the things that Paul endured, the harsh treatment that he faced in his life? Well, he said this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all other places. And me and the brethren the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. The whole purpose behind everything he faced and struggled with was the furtherance of the gospel. There's purpose behind it. There's purpose. So listen, all I'm saying this morning with this last point is this. God knows what he is doing. And you and I can trust him even in those uncertain times of life. And because we can trust Him, because we know there's a purpose behind this somewhere, sometime, maybe not in our time frame, but in God's, there's purpose behind it. We can do this. Look at your Bible again, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Just give Him Thanks. Can I ask you a question this, e uh, this morning? I ask you a question. What has Jesus done for you lately? <laughs> I want you to take a moment and just think about it. Has he met a specific need, a specific prayer that you've been praying for some time? What has he done for you lately, helped you in any way? What has he done for you? Think about it. 
You got it in your mind? Then in the quietness of this moment, just whisper a prayer to God and say thank you. We have so much to be thankful for. So much to be thankful for. Maybe this morning, that's what you simply need to do. You need to slip out of your pew. Quietly come to the front of the auditorium. And make these steps here an altar of prayer. And make that simple prayer just a prayer of thanksgiving. Maybe you're here this morning, you're going through some difficult times. And you're wondering how you can find yourself thankful. Well, again, remember it's not for everything, but in everything. And you can be thankful as you look to Jesus. Focus upon Him and His kindness, goodness, everything about the Lord. Maybe this morning you simply need to make this time a time of thanksgiving even through your pain and trouble and difficulty and just being thankful. So I'm telling you this morning, don't let the Thanksgiving season be the only time we find ourselves giving thanks. Rather, let us find ourselves obedient to the Word of God and do this. In everything, give thanks every head bowed every eye closed knowing looking around we're going to sing in just a moment the hymn of invitation and as we do maybe you don't need to pick up a hymn book maybe you just need to find yourself At the front of the church this morning, just simply making these steps an altar and making it a time of prayer of thanksgiving. Or maybe you can turn around right in your pew and fall upon your knees and just simply make that time and place, that spot.